0: The stories you've heard so far in this podcast have all been about people who've experienced significant personal growth in the face of serious health challenges. I am fascinated by stories of those who persevered and not only survived, but thrived, even into their deaths. So what's the secret? Stick around to find out. Thanks for listening to another episode of Living with the End in Mind, a storytelling project from the nonprofit End in Mind Project. I'm Kathy Worzer, the founder of End in Mind and host of this program. Years ago, in the mid 1990s, when I was a young journalist, I received an advance copy of a book called "Repacking Your Bags" by Richard Leiter and David Shapiro. Leiter and Shapiro, both educators and life coaches, invited readers to engage in an ongoing process of reevaluating and perhaps reinventing ourselves as we seek fulfillment in our all-too-short lives. Now, I didn't interview the authors then, but I kept the book, reading and rereading it over the years and thinking about what they said. The duo has written a slew of other books along the same lines of finding one's passion and purpose in work and in life, books and workshops, and a PBS special. Why do you get up in the morning? I call that your purpose. And every
1: one of us needs a reason to get up in the morning. Purpose ultimately is about happiness and about fulfillment, and about engagement with life. It's about fulfilling time, not
0: filling time. I was part of that PBS special with Richard Leiter in 2015, so I had the chance to finally interview him. And we talked at length about a key intention or objective that is the gateway to greater fulfillment in life. And that intention is also present in many people who are living with serious illness right up and until their last breath. It's purpose
1: purpose is basically the answer to one word why why do you get up in the morning it's your aim in life it's not your goal and so it's the direction the mindset that you bring to life it's it's who you bring to every situation you're in every day there are 1441 purpose moments you have a choice whether that's about you or about somebody else. And so purpose is always about who you bring to others. It's about the difference you make in the lives of others. And so it is that mindset that's often hard to define, but you know it when you're around it. And uh, one of my mentors said to me, as the flower unfolds, the bees come uninvited. As you open up to people, people are attracted to that energy and that Listening and that awareness, that's the power of purpose.
0: I love that quote, by the way. There's been some research done on the power of purpose. I know you know that. And this growing body of research seems to indicate that if you have a life's purpose, you can live with greater well-being, I mean, actually physical well-being. What do you know about that?
1: Purpose, when I did the PBS special called The Power of Purpose. I remember that. In preparation, but part of my life's work on this, I visited neuroscience labs around the globe. And one of the people, a famous neuroscientist by the name of Dr. Majid Fatui at Johns Hopkins, held up this pill, Kathy, and he said, Richard, you see this pill? Imagine that this pill would reduce the effects of Alzheimer's or increase the quality of life with Alzheimer's, would reduce the incidence of macroscopic stroke by 41%, would help with sleep apnea and other things, and add 7 to 10 years of your life. Would you buy that pill? And I said, well, of course, who wouldn't? And he said, well, what would you pay for it? And I went, it's probably way more than I could afford. And he said, it's free. It's purpose. We now know that purpose has an effect, a direct neuroscience effect on the brain, that the brain, regardless of your age, can continue to, they call it neuroplasticity, but can continue to grow and evolve, and your quality of life Certain things change, but your quality of of life in many, many ways can be improved by having a simple reason to get up in the morning.
0: Even if one is battling a serious illness. Now, I asked Richard about a good friend of mine who has since died of brain cancer. But my friend had wondered whether he could keep his sense of identity and purpose or needed to cultivate a new sense of identity and new purpose as his body and brain changed. So the question here is... Is purpose changeable? Is it porous? Is it malleable?
1: Definitely. I mean, it, it's defined in different ways. One of my mentors who I always give attribution to or credit to and I spent some time with was Viktor Frankl, who wrote Man's Search for Meaning. Now, you talk about an extreme situation. He was in a concentration camp. His entire family, including his pregnant wife, Tilly, and his grandparents and parents and siblings, all killed. He survived. He survived. When he got out, he wrote Man's Search for Meaning, and he said this, that the ultimate thing is choice, choosing your way regardless of the circumstance. So brain cancer, obviously a circumstance, other factors. But what choice do we have? Well, in the concentration camp, the will to live another day. But then to make a contribution to somebody else often makes us better. People who have depression, if you get them out and... Doing something for somebody, they do better. Older people who are in assisted living, for example, if they have a plant to water, a dog to feed, a kid to read to, measurable results much better than those that don't have that. Something so as simple is as that. This, mi- this mindset. Interesting. And it comes in three phases, I think, to your point about aging and, and uh, late life, late end life, of life type. Yeah. First stage of purpose is about uncovering. I call it. And that's discovering who you are. And young people, that's their job description. The next phase is discovering. Discovering is really not about you. It's about us. It's about your peers, your family, etc. And the third stage is that it's about all of us. The great sages, the great spiritual leaders, etc. see purpose in a much broader perspective. And I think oftentimes a serious illness gives us that much broader lens on life and forces us to look at our legacy, forces us to look at why. What's the point of the exercise? What are we doing here? Why are we doing it? And I think death and illness and other things hold up that mirror to us to help us to answer that question and therefore make more activated decisions now.
0: Hmm. Interesting. So so purpose can change and maybe even be honed at the end of life.
1: Absolutely. In fact, it usually is. I think in many ways, as we, uh, I've been interviewing, as you know, because we've talked about it many times, I've been interviewing people over the age of 65 for many, many years. And very quickly, they say if they could live their life over, they would pay attention to three things. Number one, they'd be more reflective. They'd look at the big picture, like we're talking about, and make some decisions. And I said, well, when did, what forced reflection? And they said, crisis. All of a sudden, I got ill or had a financial or relational or some issue, and then I had to look at the realities. Second, they said they'd be more courageous. They'd take more risks. And the risks were really about finding their voice and helping others do the same. That's really the risk. It's not about investing or mountain climbing or kayaking rivers. It's about finding your true voice and helping others do the same. And the third thing was every single person I've interviewed over 40 plus years. and said they want their life to matter. Mattering matters. It's not a luxury.
0: Mattering matters. It does. It really does. So here's a question, and this deals with a quote that I really like of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's, and she said, it is the denial of death that is partially responsible for people living empty, purposeless, lives. For when you live as if you'll live forever, it becomes too easy to postpone the things you know that you must do. I like that quote. Yep. Well, here's the question, Richard. If someone refuses to discuss or even think about their inevitable mortality, does this interfere with the ability to develop and benefit from having a life purpose?
1: Well, if you don't think you have a purpose, then you don't. In other words, you're not going to activate it. You have it. But if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. You have a reason for being here still. And so at a certain point, I like what uh, David Brooks writes about when he talks about eulogy virtues versus resume virtues. And he says earlier in life, we're all about our resume virtues, which is necessary. We need to build a resume, make a living, make a life. But at a certain point, we start to pay attention to what he calls your eulogy virtues. And that's how mattering matters for you and what difference you want to make. And it's often a crisis or an age-related thing where you see death where you start to look at this whole question of mm-hmm. why, what's what's the point. So I think at various ages and stages, I know I'm asked often to do memorial services for people. And I often find that even a written obituary, the first few lines are all about those resume virtues. And then after a while, if it's a good service, you get into the eulogy. I mean, the uh, yeah, the eulogy virtues, which are really, who really was this? And how did they impact my life in certain ways, making a difference in other people's lives is in our DNA. It's who we are as human beings, and it's why we're here.
0: So the people that I've worked with in this sphere that I've been finding myself in beyond doing news and all of that, the folks who are at end of life to a person have said to me, God, I wish you, Kathy Werzer, or who, you know, could there be some way to move some of these things that I'm learning upstream, that when you are younger. Younger, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so how does one, when they are a little younger, saying they're in 30s or something like that, start to maybe look at the eulogy values? I mean, how does one do something like that?
1: Well, you probably don't in the depth that you're speaking of. But finding your, you know, I used to teach all the time with Stephen Covey. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, sold 30 million copies, yes. et cetera. He unfortunately died at the age of 80 in a bicycling accident coming from his house down to Provo, Utah. Before he died, not right before, but a year or two before he died, he came out with the eighth habit. And he said the eighth habit is the most important habit, even though Seven Habits has been famous. And the eighth habit is finding your voice and helping others do the same. He said that is what it's all about. And that's really I I agree. I used to teach with him all the time, and we were in total agreement about that. So younger, how do we find our voice? And how do we help people find their voice? That's really the whole business of the power of purpose. It's finding your gifts, your passions, your values, and putting it together in a way you can make a living. But also if you don't, if it's not a good fit for you, you're gonna either burn out or rust out. I talk about burnout a lot, but I also talk, and I've written a lot about rust out. Burnout, overdoing, trying to prove something perhaps, or a lot of pressures today. Rust out is under being, and that is not really playing our music. You know, one of those quotes is from Oliver Wendell Holmes, I think, many of us go to our graves with our music still inside us. Yeah. Parents, others who work with young people, This is the worst thing that can happen, is that this kid doesn't play their music metaphorically. And I think we need to do a better job of guidance. And it's not just olders mentoring youngers. There's a new term called mentorn. You know that
0: term? I have not heard that term. Chip
1: Connolly taught me this. He wrote a book called uh, Wisdom at Work. But a mentor is somebody who's a mentor and an intern, both a teacher and a learner, I like it. And I think younger people today are craving mentors, someone who not just, this is the way it was, it's also a learner who says, it's a different world, whoever you are. I can teach you, you can teach me. They want that kind of a courageous conversation. And I believe that that really brings vitality to life for
0: older adults and younger adults and helps to bring that voice out. I'm glad you brought that up. I've been finding this in the newsroom. These younger journalists, producers coming to the forefront, and they have something to say, right? And they want to co-create with you, right? Which I love that, yeah. 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 But you got to get out of the way. You got to open yourself up to something like that, and not just
1: about technology, right? Right. Not just about that kind of stuff that they may have been natives as opposed to immigrants like us with (laughs) technology. Me, me with technology. No, I'm with you on that one. Um, Yeah, but but I do believe that finding your voice is all of a sudden has a lot to do with health has a lot to do with stress. And in times of stress, we tend to go higher and deeper. We go higher. Think of a stressful situation. What's going on here? 9-11, let's say. Let's pick one that everyone can relate to. What's going on here? And then deeper, what do I do? How does this affect me personally? And when we go deeper, we look for what doesn't change. What's constant? What can I hold on to? That purpose thing, is in us from younger days, but we don't know how to find that constant unless we've lived a few years. I think we can push that backwards, as you're saying, and help people much younger and be better
0: mentors. When we did that PBS special together, I remember being on stage with you. There were 10 questions that we were talking about to unlock your purpose. Now, I'm going to direct people to your website so they can go through those stages, right? Give me maybe the top two that people need to think about.
1: Well, first of all, I call it the napkin test. And the napkin test is a lot of creative ideas. I don't have time for this purpose thing. I'm too busy. you know. Da, da, da. I said, well, take out a napkin and write this down. G plus P plus V equals C. Gifts plus passions plus values or voice equals calling. Everybody has a calling. And so early in life, late in life, any age, finding your gifts or being aware of your gifts and then figuring out, what do you care about? What are you curious about? What are you passionate about? And I was on a program with the founder of TED, Richard Saul Warman, TED Talks. And he was talking about curiosity, and I was talking about purpose. And I said to, to Richard, he calls me a young man, he says, Richard, what are you going to talk about? And I said, purpose. Thank you and good afternoon, everybody. Uh, I'd like to turn the lens around a little bit on demographics to look at things from the inside out, to look at them from your point of view and uh, I've been a student of uh, purpose and the power of purpose now for four uh, decades. Purpose basically is this, what makes you want to get out of bed in the morning? What really makes you want to get up and go to work, get up and do whatever you do? I find in my own research that one out of three people today doesn't have a clear reason to get up in the morning. So just take a look at the person on your left for a minute and see if they look like they've got a good reason to get up. If they look pretty good, look at the person on your right. So if the people on either side of you both look pretty grounded, then it's you, you're the one out of three. So So the point is this. The point is that purpose is fundamental. It's not just a luxury, it's not just a nice-to-have thing. The science of purpose today shows that purpose is essential to longevity, on average living seven years longer, to health, to healing, happiness and ultimately to our productivity, what we do all day at work. And I said so like Richard minutes. Woody and he said curiosity is finding the extraordinary in the ordinary. Yes. He said that's the bottom line of Ted. A million people are watching Ted as we sit here who are curious. And so passion is really about your curiosity. Look at what this whole program is about. It's about your curiosity. Curiosity about the whole business of end in mind, and what can we do about that, and helping people live—that's using your gifts, different gifts differing, on things that you mutually find curiosity or passion about, and then voice helping others find theirs as you bring yours forward. So I think you're an embodiment of that napkin test. So that's one thing. The other thing that you know I talked about is having a sounding board. Mm, yeah. Isol- you know, one of the things that I think end in mind really brings up, which is critical, and the science, the neuroscience is clear: isolation is fatal. Oh, it's horrible. Going it alone, incredibly bad idea. Not just caregivers, but having a that's imperative. But sounding board is who can you be real with? And on a sounding board, I say that there are four people you should consider. Number one is a committed listener, somebody who's not a conversational narcissist, which I just wrote about. My blog just went up about conversational narcissists. I'm going to read it. (laughs) And people who it's all about them, they always turn the conversation back on themselves all the time. But a committed listener really asks, tell me more. Give me some background on that. How can I? Secondly is a wise elder, somebody who's about 10 years older than you, who's up, who you say, I wonder what they would say or how do they think about this and help me see the big picture third is a wise younger wise elder wise younger just like we were talking about with the mentor who can i talk to that can help me give a fresh different perspective and then fourth who is a purpose partner somebody i can say i want to get up every day and live my life in spite of my whatever my circumstance is and bring myself to the world who can hold me accountable for that who can help me to stay a active because purpose is a verb it's something we do it's not something we just think or have
0: that's so true so my friend this is a question that many of us ponder so i'm curious to see what you're going to tell me what's the ultimate purpose in life
1: well uh i think it's to make a difference in other people's lives but the way i talk about it is to die happy (laughs) And if you're going to die happy, it's not the one with the most toys who dies happy. It's the one who's made the biggest difference in other people's lives. So to be thoroughly used up, as George Bernard Shaw (laughs) talks about in his famous quote at the end of life, is to be thoroughly used up before you're thrown on the scrap heap, so to speak. That's his words, not mine. So I think to be thoroughly used up means to give, but also to savor life. So I think the ultimate to me is to have lived a life where you made a difference in other people's lives.
0: I think you've done that. I would say to you, Richard Leiter, you've done that. I'm still a learner. I wrote
1: something called an incomplete manifesto for purpose.
0: I saw that. And
1: why did I call it an incomplete manifesto? Because I'm not complete. And it's not denial of death. It's not denial of aging. I am very grateful that I am able to do what I do and love what I do so much. But it's an incomplete manifesto. I took everything I learned in four or five decades and put it on one page. And I did it because people don't have time to read one page these days. <laughs> but I also said to myself, I'm not complete. The future belongs to the learners, not the knowers. I know quite a bit about purpose, but there's so much I don't know that I'm learning Even as we sit here and talk with each other, there's new insights I get, and hopefully that your listeners will get as well.
0: Oh, you have honored me with this conversation. And before we go, I always ask all my guests this too. Can you leave behind a little tidbit of wisdom, a meditation, an exercise, something that you think of every day? so people
1: Can Can I do two things? Sure. Well, the first thing is my favorite quote about purpose from E.B. White. You've probably heard it before, but it's this. I arise in the morning, torn between a desire to save the world and a desire to savor the world. This makes it hard to plan the day. Well, in all due respect, it makes it easier to plan the day. Because a well-lived life, a full life, is one that is about both saving and savoring Not literally saving, but metaphorically making a contribution as well as enjoying life. And the other thing is, I call it the two-minute practice. Every morning, before you get out of bed, do this two-minute exercise. And that is, you're in bed, and first thing to do is to pause. And that means no technology. That's what pause means. Don't reach for your phone. Secondly, three deep breaths. To center yourself anywhere. Right now we could do it, but three deep breaths. Then make a commitment in your mind, an intention... To make a difference in one person's life today and picture that person. It can be, you know, you look at your upcoming day, I don't know. Well, then just make a commitment that by the end of the day, you're going to have hugged someone, given a kind word, listened, something. And if you start to train your intentions, I call it mind over mattress (laughs) in the morning. So you're training your mind So that during the day, you start to notice, oh, here's a purpose moment. I can step into this. It might seem a little awkward at first, but eventually it becomes a way of life because it makes you happy. And as a result, you'll die happy if you have purpose moments every day.
0: Richard Leiter, you have graced us with your presence and your teachings. It was a wonderful conversation. I'm glad you stopped by. Thank you so much.
1: What a delight. Thank you for inviting me.
0: That's best-selling author, life coach, and speaker Richard Leiter. There's a link to Richard's website on our website, but in case you want to jot it down right now, it's easy. RichardLeider.com. That's L-E-I-D-E-R.com. That's where the calling card's handout is and the napkin test, among other resources. Check it out and check out Richard's new book when it's released later this year. This has been Living with the End in Mind. This episode is made possible by generous donors to the End in Mind Project. If you would like to support our podcast, go to endinmindproject.org and make a tax-deductible gift. This episode, as always, was magnificently edited by the amazing Jenna Lee Park, produced by Palisade Productions for the End in Mind Project. I'm Kathy Worzer. Until next time, stay healthy, stay safe, and stay curious.